Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. In this episode, we explore type four. But the longing, it it feels so right. It feels like what you should do. Because if you do manage to achieve the thing you're longing for, you you get it, whether you deserve it or not, or you get it, it often does not live up to the expectation. Chris, it's lovely to be with you again today in Asheville as we engage more people for these recordings. Thanks, Sandra. It's a great treat. Yeah. And we have Jean Sexton with us today, and we'll introduce her in a little while. Yeah, but let's start by inviting our listeners and all of us to open all three of our brains, so the heart, the head, and the body. And it allows us, it gives us a capacity to take in uh, more information and to be present to all that we're going to discuss today. So I invite you to ground your body in whatever way you can do that. Um, Come to a place of open-heartedness. And then you have a curiousness of mind. And we want to invite all the all of us have a, a type four within us. Even us fours have that. But all of us have a little, in, little four inside of us. And we want to invite everyone to um, listen in with that inner type four. So if you will, take a deep breath with me. So a little bit about the type four structure. They have great gifts that they bring to humanity. One of those is really a depth of connection. They are comfortable with emotional intensity, both in themselves and in others. They tend to see themselves as unique or different, uh, eschew the ordinary, uh, it's routine, it feels a little boring to them. They they seek out peak experiences, whether that's high or low. <laughs> it's a roller coaster for the type four. All right. <laughs> yes. They have a comparing mind because they've interjected an ideal and they compare reality to it, whether it's I'm comparing myself to the ideal me or my friend to the ideal friend. So this comparing mind can create some melancholy because you know, if reality doesn't measure up to the ideal, we're always disappointed. So there's a seeking often for type four of what isn't here. But of course, when the four comes home to present moment in themselves and move from longing to appreciating, it's a whole new world. And so we'll explore more of this with Jean in just a minute. I met Jean uh, through the Biltmore Company, where she has worked for over 16 years in, as a creative writer in the marketing department there. She's been dabbling and studying the Enneagram for over 20 years. She's an Asheville native and lives with three fine canine companions. Yeah, so Jean, welcome. It's nice to have you with us. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks, Jean. So we want to start... Um, this part of the conversation, Jean, by uh, uh, offering a, a word from Henry Nowen. And uh, if you'll just listen, and then we'll ask you a question about that. When our gratitude for the past is only partial, our hope for the future can never be full. As long as we remain resentful about relationships 
that we wished had turned out differently or mistakes we wish we'd not made, part of our heart remains isolated, unable to bear fruit in the new life ahead of us. So what about these words from Henry Nouwen strike you as you think about this type four that you live in? Well, I think especially for type fours, he's getting at that idea of longing, really. And sometimes it's longing for the past and Mm -hmm. what you did or didn't do. Either you did something that you regret or you didn't do something, so you have a regret about that. And can you work through that, let go of that to some degree, so that you are open to the moment, which fours aren't always as good at the moment as we might wish to be because we're busy longing for something. (laughs) (laughs) And so the future seems like a heady place because your longings might be might be realized they might come true right but then they might not so you have to worry a little bit about that and Mm -hmm. then but really the longing as you say sandra is it provides a juiciness i think for most fours if if they're willing to admit it 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 feels good to long Mm -hmm. say more about that what's it like Mm -hmm. that longing like uh describe that or tell me a story about that i think it's like an emotional high of some kind Mm -hmm. although it can be very low like you said the roller coaster is there um, but the longing, it, it feels so right. It feels like what you should do. Mm. Because if you do manage to achieve the thing you're longing for, you, you get it, whether you deserve it or not, or you get it, it often does not live up to the expectation. Mm. And it's, it's not that the thing itself is wrong. It might be fabulous. But what you thought it would be, or what you hoped it would be, what you built up in your mind, allowed yourself to have a fantasy about, mm. wrote a story about in your mind. Right. It can't be that because nothing can ever be that that perfect that you've created it mm. to be. Right. That's great. So the, in a way, we force mm-hmm. set ourselves up a bit because if we spend our time in the fantasy, mm-hmm. even if we get what we most long for, right. it's disappointing. It is. And I think that's that's so hard when it's another person that mm. you've done this to you've set them up for your own failure right and because i know with fours we're we're very relationship based and we're always looking for the relationship and so it's so unfair to do that to another person Mm. and as you get wiser hopefully you know somewhere along the way in your life i think you realize i'm doing this again Mm. and i'm dragging somebody else into it it might be a significant other it might be a child it might be a co-worker but i'm really I'm I'm putting something on them that that isn't fair at all. Sure, is there a is there a particular story that you feel comfortable sharing that comes to mind in, in a way you've done that? I'm, I'm thinking actually particularly of my father right now. Mm. My mother passed away in July, so of course that's brought a lot of you know different emotions, different aspects of my life. Yeah, and now that and my father's still living and in good health, and I realize I thought a lot of things about him mm. during my entire life. I thought a lot of things about him and he and my mother's relationship. Mm -hmm. And now I'm having to see him as a real person Mm. and one that I realize I don't know very well. Mm. And that so much of that is a construct that I made. I made my father part of my story, usually in a negative way, I'm realizing now. Mm. And he's just an older man who's lost his wife. Mm -hmm. I mean, he'll always be my father. Right. But I have to get to know him a little bit. And right now he feels sort of like a stranger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this it's, it's a strange time in my life, I think, to realize that, oh, 
I put a lot of things on him that, right or wrong, they weren't, they weren't anything to do with him. They were to do with me. Right. And that's part of that constructing of, mm-hmm. of a fantasy or a story, right. a narrative. Right. That someday my father will know me better, mm-hmm. and he'll like me better because he knows me better. And it's not that he didn't like me all along. He just didn't like me in a way that I was receptive to being liked, if that mm. makes any sense. Mm. I, I had a, a story about him. And, right. mm. and I can still tell I want that story to be true, but boy, is it really not true mm. now that the, the layer of my mother is gone mm. and it's just him and me to, to deal with that relationship. Mm. You're offering a, a good insight into the, the fantastical mind mm. of four. Right. Yeah. And... Your father understands you. You know, the four has this thing about no one understands me. Right. And I heard just a little bit of that. What if he does understand you? What if he does get you? Would that be okay? It, it would be, I think. I think that what he, what I feel like he would understand about me is maybe not what I would want him to understand about me. <laughs> so it's like it goes, you know, goes through all these layers. And I recognize that all of those are there. And, and that idea, I guess, of never being enough. Mm-hmm. So you, you weave your fantasies, and as long as you're living in a fantasy and longing for something, you don't have to be enough mm. because there's always something to come. Mm-hmm. Things could change. The lottery ticket could come in the mail. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fact that I rarely play the lottery doesn't mean I can't win. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great fantasy to, to play out, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this, this thinking that I'm not enough can swing to I'm too much. Mm-hmm. And fours, you know, talk a lot about that. Would you speak right. to that uh, seesaw bit? I, I think it's, it's two sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. to use that, mm-hmm. that phrase. Because in a way, if I'm not enough, then if I become more of the performer and take on another role and more layers, then all of a sudden I have fantasized myself out of all... Reality, and then I'm way too much for anybody to deal with. Oh wow! Because they don't know where all my layers are, and I'm playing a role. Right. I, I can feel myself being the entertainer. Mm. You know, I can feel myself doing that a little bit right now. Mm. I want to throw my hands around, and I want to really want to entertain people. Right. I very much want to give them a piece of myself, if that mm. makes any sense. Sure. Mm. And something that they'll value, mm-hmm. even if it's just a little thing. But it was something of me that they now have, and they can keep and admire like a rare jewel. <laughs> ah, that's a great image. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. What helps you, Jean, like you just said, uh, so thank you so much for saying right now you've noticed that in yourself. Mm-hmm. What helps you notice that? What helps you become aware when you're doing that mm-hmm. performance? Or Right. It's, it, I almost get a physical reaction to it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, these people seem to be in the moment with me, and this is good, and I'm gesturing with my hands, even <laughs> though no one can see me. <laughs> and uh, it, it really is kind of a physical reaction. And it's almost like taking on a persona, mm-hmm. um, because I tend to be fairly reserved, but when I'm entertaining, mm-hmm. I can be less reserved. I can feel like somebody else, mm. somebody who is who is an entertainer and people would expect that of me. And if I were reserved, that wouldn't be what they would expect. That wouldn't be enough. Right. So then it has to keep building and keep going. And mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Wow. Mm. I'm pretty good at laughing at myself, which helps a lot. That helps bring it down to a realistic level. 
do you, is that kind of, um, I heard another four say this, that like there's a humor aspect mm-hmm. where you kind of watch yourself Absolutely. go down some crazy little path or whatever right. and you go, oh my gosh, there I go again. There ha ha. Yeah. The participant observer. Right. Because I'm very much outside watching. Mm-hmm. And when I do get caught up in this sort of the entertainment moment, it's so nice sometimes to have those two halves integrated. I'm not watching myself. Mm. And then that'll, you know, it'll, it'll slip a little. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm watching myself and look at her throw her hands around. <laughs> I become almost a third person, third, you know, speaking in third person of myself. Right, right. So, but but I feel like I know myself pretty well to know when it's getting a little over the top. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So humor is part of your toolbox and coming back mm-hmm. to yourself and getting more present and becoming more genuine. Would you say mm-hmm. is that what I'm hearing from you? Very much so. And I'm the youngest of four, and so nobody ever cuts you any slack. You know, when, you, when you're performing, they'll look at you and say, straighten up. Why are you, why are you acting that way? You're, you know, you're, you're trying to make too much of yourself. Uh-huh. Or you're trying to get too much attention, that kind of thing. So. I'm having a moment here as the youngest of four. Oh, also Chris. a four. So we're going to do a little pinky. Uh. <laughs> These two are smiling. Great to light at one another. I'm resonating deeply, yeah. Jean. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can feel it. Like, wow. That's right. That's right. And also, I don't know um, if you experience this. Sometimes fours talk about um, wondering if I belong. Oh, this all feeling the time. of do I really belong? Right, and that can happen in a family system. Absolutely, uh, your your whole family seems to be cut from the same cloth. Right, and then <laughs> and then you've got you know your feathers or whatever that, that aren't quite the same, and you know and you, they're always looking at you like. What, what's going to happen next? Well, and I always looked around and said, was I re- adopted? Because I don't really, I'm different than all of you. I don't understand. Right. Why isn't anybody dramatic like this? Exactly. And, 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 yeah. and I know of a four daughter who really did think she was adopted and asked her older sister to have the saliva test done to make sure they were sisters. <laughs> so so this really is you yes. know, a theme in the life of a four. I'm, I'm, an orphan, in mm-hmm. a way. I don't mm-hmm. belong. Right. I'm the swan in the duckling's nest. Mm. Oh. And, you know, in, in the whole early time, I'm, I'm, I'm different from them, and they're not going to appreciate me until I'm grown up and on my own, and then they'll see yeah. that I really was a swan. And they were, they were ducks or geese, and that was fine, but I wasn't the same. Right. That's a great fantasy. Yeah. You know, my eggshell did have gold glitter on it. Of course so. it did. <laughs> <Paris were funny. laughs> it was beautiful, right? <laughs> it's a special eggshell. <laughs> We've talked a little bit about this gene, you know, the focus of attention of the, of the four is um, going to what's missing Mm -hmm. kind of, we talked about longing, which is part of that. Right. But so how does, how does that show up for you or how does that move you this tendency to, to, uh, for attention to go to what's missing? Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the first place I look and it does make it harder to be in the moment Mm -hmm. because the moment, the moment can be great and the moment should be appreciated, but you're overlooking the moment, looking beyond it to seeing what's next. So you're, it's it's hard to bring your attention sometimes back to the present. Yeah. And I think we do ourselves a disservice by not being in that moment so much of the time or right. or not appreciating the appreciating the moment. You're there and you're in it, but you're looking for the next thing. Yeah. So what do you what do you feel like you give up by 
not being in the moment, not being grateful for what's in the moment. Does that make sense? It does. And I think sometimes it's the very small things mm-hmm. and, and those get lost a little bit. And I have to remind myself that they're important. Mm-hmm. And my dogs have actually helped me focus mm. in the moment much more yeah. because sure. they're, they're in the moment. They don't, they're not looking at the future. Yep. They might be longing for something, but it's also in the moment. They're right. longing for a treat or, you know, whatever, you know, for one of them to go away so the other one gets more attention. <laughs> and But that is still in the moment for them. Mm-hmm. So that's been helpful, I think. What helps you come to the moment? Humor is a big one. Okay. Just because I realize that sometimes the, the fantasy that I'm weaving, maybe a way of describing it is if you, if you could tell the truth or you could tell a lie, and both, why would you tell a lie when the truth is great and fine and okay and there's no need to tell a lie? It feels had that same sort of a way, if that makes any sense. If you are, um, why not be in the moment? Mm. The moment is just fine as it is. Mm. And you don't know what you're longing for that you're ever going to get it or that you're going to want it when you get there. Mm. And the lie is the performance? I think so to some degree, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. The deception. Mm-hmm. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, why not say this moment is just fine? Mm-hmm. This moment is a peanut butter sandwich, but that's okay. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be something special. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so the question comes from me is, what's the gift of the ordinary or the mm-hmm. everyday or the, what is, what's the gift of that in our lives as fours? Mm-hmm. I think getting used to it, finding it where it is. Mm-hmm realizing when you've sort of spiraled off into some fantasy world that is taking you away from the moment. Mm-hmm. So you're missing out on something here and now that you could count on, that you could enjoy, and you could have it tucked away like your own little precious jewel. Mm. But then you just sort of discard it and you say, well, that's not special enough. Right. I'm still looking forward to, to something else or keening over something in the background, you know, in the past. Right. And, right. and that... Longing or not being present is, of course, a way fours abandon themselves. Mm-hmm. So the abandonment is actually an inside job. It is. And then you can feel that, you know, well, I'm really not understood. But you're the one who hasn't understood yourself. Mm. And that's, that's hard. It's good to realize it, but it's hard sometimes to settle back into yourself and to do ordinary things, to think ordinary things. And to meet other people's expectations when you can, like, mm-hmm. you know, being somewhere on time because being late is dramatic. Mm. Oh, that's those, good. Mm-hmm. All those kinds of things. I got to look at myself on that one. Oh, no. The, the <laughs> new saying of, I'm, I, I don't apologize for being late. I'm just late because of who I am as a person. <laughs> oh, that was written by and for. For. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, here I am. <laughs> Just on my own terms, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's a Kairos moment for you all. Yes. And you don't have to understand me because I'm special and different. Mm-hmm. And if we, by making ourselves that way, we push away that not enough. I'll make myself so strange that nobody could understand me. And then I'm, I'm safe from that feeling. Well, and then we also contribute to alienating ourselves mm-hmm. from people by doing exactly what you just right. described, right? Because lo- one of our longings mm-hmm. <laughs> is to belong and to mm-hmm. be connected and to be understood. And so right. when we say, oh, I'm above time, I'm beyond this, I, right. I'm, I just am who I am, and then in a way we're setting ourselves apart, which makes us feel good, and also... Reinforces right. that I don't. I just don't belong. People, nobody just understands me. Exactly. They don't understand why I'm late. Right. That I had something else to think about. Right. 
And that's a way we contribute to our own pain, mm-hmm. our own suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Who are you aside from your suffering? Oh, that sounds like a heady question that probably requires weaving a fantasy about it. <laughs> you know, we, we read in the material and hear from fours on panels that there's kind of a love affair with suffering. There's some juice to it. It's got mm-hmm. emotional depth. There is. And I think when I encounter people who are clearly suffering but aren't dealing with their suffering, mm. I find them very frustrating. Mm. Like, why don't you get in there and wallow mm. and get through it? <laughs> right. There's a lot of wallowing for fours and everything. But yes, yeah, suffering, like you say, it has some juice to it. It feels kind of good. Yeah, for fours. Mm-hmm. Yes. For fours. I, yeah, I'm, I, I believe other people when they tell me it doesn't feel good. Right. <laughs> but I have not experienced that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and if you're suffering, you're special. Mm. Oh. You know, if yes. you're suffering in some sort of dramatic, interesting way, or if you've become a hermit and you can't interact with anybody because you're suffering. What about um, in your current roles? So in your work, in your relationships, um, what are some of the gifts of the type four that show up and how do they support you and, and also your relationships? I think one of my favorite things, and I realize it really is a gift, and I, I, I tell people I come preloaded with a certain kind of software. So <laughs> you don't right. need to write creatively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think what part of that is I'm able to put myself in other people's heads Mm-hmm. and imagine what they're thinking and what they would be saying if they were putting their own words on paper. And, and I love it. And it's, a, mm. it's wonderful to walk around in other people's heads and deal with their suffering while I'm in there or whatever. What whatever. an imagination. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. But it, it does make for good fiction because mm-hmm. you're just loosely covering up. You're, you're talking about fact, but you're just lightly fictionalizing it because you can imagine it from their perspective. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people are fascinated by writing as a process, I'm like, well, you know, really, it's pretty easy for me. Right. But that's a gift. It's nothing. I've gotten better at it over the years. I've exercised it. But it's it was something I came with. That's great. You know, the the gifts that you that I hear in that are creativity, which mm-hmm. often fours have a natural kind of creativity. Um, and the other is empathy. Mm-hmm. Because when you talk about getting in someone else's head, there's oh, yeah. a way in which you're like, I can get particularly right with pain, Mm -hmm. but also with joy or whatever. Like I can really get with you in that. And so when we do that in Mm -hmm. our minds, it's a way we can create and write and Mm -hmm. take on that persona. Right. It's like whatever you're feeling, I can pretty much feel it too. And even when, when someone that you don't think you have anything in common with, but when you hear them, I always feel so bad because it's hard to dislike anybody. (laughs) you know I walk around people's heads and I think well that's why they're doing this mm-hmm. and I understand now and maybe it doesn't make me like them a whole lot better but I do see where they're coming from so right. it's it's you know it's hard to despise someone that you have really walked around in their head and figured out something mm-hmm. about them and of course there's some projection going on so of course we have to name that yes. but, yeah. yeah say more about that sandra well so to whether i'm pretending imagining that this is what they're thinking or feeling mm-hmm. um would be 
seeing them as I see me. Right. Yeah. Yes. And it can be kind of a fun sport, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Head walking. And it can get us in trouble, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really can, too. Because yeah. then you can, well, you can make people, you can think they're thinking things they're not. Of course, right, you can right, take it right. in different directions. Or what I have also found is when you're, especially maybe in suffering, I mean, you can really take that on for somebody. And that can be hard and debilitating, too, because you've taken on their emotional weather. Sometimes, in a way, they weren't feeling it that much. Mm. Well, you know, that, I would just name that psychological envy right there. When you're going to suffer their situation more than they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. always good to catch that. It is. Yeah. Um, right, and not base your decisions on someone else's mm-hmm. mental state at the moment. For yeah, sure, for sure. Yeah, but you know, when you have a type that has comparing mind and can easily move into suffering, uh, that that's something that can crop up for fours mm-hmm. and something to be aware of. And I think one thing I don't I don't know if this is true of all fours, but the idea that if you're experiencing it with them, you know, you don't have to fix it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of a lot oh, nice. of people are trying to fix things or trying not to experience the emotion and because you're there with them and you can be there in that moment. Right. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's a very comfortable, even if it's uncomfortable, it's somehow comfortable. Yes. The, I think you, I think you've said that well, because I think fours have an ability to not fix mm-hmm. and be with very right. naturally. Again, right. others can do that, but right. we do that pretty naturally. Right. Yes. But it also highlights for me, uh, what I say to all my people who love me as a four is don't try to fix me when I'm in my pain. Right. That's a, that's a path what I just need you to just be with me. Right. Just mm-hmm. just sit with me yeah. in the hard place or right. wherever. Right? I, I'd like you to listen, but you don't have to do anything. Just be in, in the moment with me. And, and yeah, you can't, you don't have to drag me out of it or fix it or change mm-hmm. it. Right. We've got to go through it. Yep. But I'd appreciate your company along the way. Right. That's good. That's Lovely. Good. Yeah. yeah. Jean, as you think about at this point in your life mm-hmm. um, and given the four patterns that you find yourself in, um, what, what do you think is your greatest imitation to grow? Where's, where's a growing edge place for you right now? I think to, to catch the fantasy when it's, when it's spiraling a little out of control mm-hmm. and to say it is okay to, be, to not be afraid of the word ordinary. You know, going to work every day feels ordinary, right. but it's really an okay thing to do, and there's a lot of good things that happen in that ordinary. Yep. So being okay with that, and, and looking forward to the ordinary, looking for the things that, that don't require some fantasy to make them juicy. Mm. I think for me that's very important, realizing that people are, nobody is ever going to be what your fantasy says they could, mm-hmm. or you could imagine they could be. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And sometimes what they really are is way better. Mm. But it's hard to let go of it. Sure. It's like, Sometimes it's okay to take off the fancy costume and the big feathered mask mm-hmm. and sit around in your sweats. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes that mask is itchy. Right. And it, it carries its own weight. Oh, it does. Mm. Right. And people expect a lot of the mask. Mm-hmm. They might not expect much of anything of you in sweats. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. So we have some questions for the deeper dive for the little four in you and all of the fours who may be listening. And Jean has brought forth in her story of her some of these. 
how does the vice of four, which is envy, seeing something greener over there, how does that impact your life? When do you experience it? When is your focus on what's missing taking you out of the moment? In what ways do you abandon yourself? And how do you return to you? And lastly, how might the longing you experience for something outside yourself actually be a longing for yourself? So with heartfelt gratitude, I'm Sandra. And I'm Chris. And we invite you to continue to look courageously and lovingly at what is. We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris, who composed our theme music, and for Toby Becker, who provided graphic design. Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner, who provided recording space, and to the narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests. We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com, to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.